What is going on, everyone? This is Kyle Brown coming to you on the On the Farm podcast, on the Pitcher List podcast network. We are here to bring you everything minor league baseball, dynasty baseball, and all things that connect to those two things in any way, shape, or form. I have a very fun guest tonight, Mr. Travis Shear. He has just dropped an article on PitcherList about Wander Franco and the market and trying to trade for him and just trying to understand how to deal with a prospect stock that is, uh, is as robust as, uh, as Wander's is. So, Travis, man, what's going on? Hey, everything's going great here. How about you? Man, things are good. I uh, had some pizza. I've been watching Wander Franco all day, man. Just MILB TV. I uh, got that to my left, checking to see how good he is against some of this uh, the competition in the Midwest League, dealing with some very bizarre camera angles from these yeah. low-level minor league teams that uh, I, I don't really have an explanation for, but it's all we have. So, you know, what can you do? But I'm doing good, man. I've watched Wander Franco play all day. I really can't complain. Wander Franco and pizza, that's a good combo. I got to love those angles. I love watching those angles. It is really, does make it really difficult to uh, – to break people down though. Cause you're like, you see how that pitches at their knee. It's like, it doesn't really look like it when you're shot from basically f- 10, 10 feet above their head. You know, you yeah. can't, you can't tell exactly where it's landing. It's, it's uh it's crazy. Some of those angles that they get. Yeah. I, I was watching a game today where I didn't even actually have an angle behind the pitcher. I just occasionally was watching the pitcher pitch and then I wouldn't see where the ball would go. And then I would watch the batter bat, but I wouldn't see where their hits went or where the pitch was. Yeah. So, you know, that's minor league baseball for you in a nutshell. There's maybe there's like one person sharing a camera running around the stadium trying to get what they can. But I mean, that's uh, that's minor league baseball in a nutshell. I also saw an amazing chili fry eating competition. No hands allowed. You know, you can't really you can't buy that. You got You got to love it when they when they when they leave on those uh, those uh, fan competitions. Those are great. Those are amazing. The, the commercial breaks sometimes are almost better than the baseball. <laughs> So yeah, man, I, uh, I just wanted to, to bring you on to talk about this article that you just dropped on the pitch list. And it's, it's called Wander's Witching Hour. And um, it's about the market. So I'm just sort of curious, man, what, uh, what did you research? What did you find out? Give us a little start us off here. Yeah, this is kind of like a, this is going to be a, a small series that we do um, leading up to opening day where we look at a, at the, at a few different uh, players stocks in our markets in in the in dynasty settings only, um, you get you get enough of that in the, in uh, redraft leagues. And the first one was Mike Trout a couple of weeks ago because he's at a particularly interesting part of his career where you you could easily you could see him decline really quickly, or he could be like one of the great Hall of Famers and decline very gracefully over the next five, six, seven years. And look at that. This newer one, the next one was was with uh, Franco, and um, the idea being that he's at kind of a, a similar uh, year of 2021 in its importance, right? Um, I think ev- not everyone, but most people agree that he is going to get up into the majors at some point this year. It's probably not going to be early knowing the knowing the race, but it'll, it will likely be at the end of the year, I think. And whatever he ends up doing in that short period of time or longer period of time is going to drastically affect his price in dynasty leagues. And uh, it could it could drop it significantly or it could make it to even in 20 games. If he's great in 20 games, you're not going to be able to trade for him in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's there's you can almost look at two stories from last year and see how quick fluctuations can happen. You know, Cabrian Hayes comes up and 
is absolutely ridiculous um, and, and sort of goes against his, his minor league track record in a lot of ways. And, right. and obviously the helium is massive and hard to trade for. I've been desperately trying in a league and have yet been very unsuccessful. And, uh, and then someone like, you know, someone like Dylan Carlson, who is still pretty high on prospect lists, but I guarantee if you go to your Dylan Carlson owner right now in your dynasty league, there's going to be a conversation to be had because right. as much as he came up, you know, after going back down to the alternate site and was solid, that, that market is depressed. And so I, you know, if he does, yeah, if Wander does come up at the end of this year, it's going to be very impactful for his, his value going into 2022. And then you got to sort of factor in, well, what's going to happen in the minor leagues? You know, are they going to, uh, how much are they going to play? What are the schedules going to be like? All that stuff. Is he going to absolutely destroy double A? Is it going to be triple A? You know, what does that all sort of look like? So I, I think the, the, what you talked about in the article about him making a correlation between Wanda Franco and the witching hour and relating that to stocks was, was very appropriate. You know, that's sort of how I view prospects in a lot of ways is, is trying to correlate that to a, a giant stock market of prospects, if you will. So I, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear what you sort of feel about that in terms of the witching hour. What exactly do you mean by that? So the witching hour is a term used in stock market uh, on Wall Street on the on the third uh thursday of every month and it's when uh certain types of investments basically come to an end like the, the period on their contracts come to an end and so and so it's the final hour of that thursday and basically there are huge spikes in valleys in volatility based in just that hour because any little piece of information will will completely shift the market one way or the other right and so the idea being that this is sort of that time for Wander Franco, where if you heard, for example, tomorrow that he's going to start, you say the Rays completely dumped their their prospect philosophy of the last ten years, and they decide they're going to push him through, and he's going to he's going to be the starting second baseman or shortstop. Take your pick. His his value would skyrocket, right? Like you wouldn't be able to trade for him because people know that he's going to be playing on opening day. But at the same time, if you heard that you know his bicep injury that he had in uh, in winter ball in the Dominican was actually a big deal, he would, he would probably fall quite a bit. I don't think he'd, he'd still be the top prospect, but you'd, what you'd be able to trade for him in actual dynasty leagues would, would be adjusted, definitely. Yeah. Well, and I think you can, we, can, we can all sort of you know, get in the time machine and head on back to Mike Trout's debut. And Mike Trout's debut was bad. Yeah. Mike, Mike Trout's debut the year before he came up and was Mike Trout was was quite uh, concerning you know for a lot of people i guess he just didn't show any of the things we've seen since then it was an absolute cup of coffee that that did not leave his mouth feeling good it was all burning up in there i actually acquired mike trout in one of my leagues the year after that because the angels then waited for a little bit to bring him up right i acquired mike trout for julio Turan. yeah yeah well yeah i made mistakes after that which we won't talk about (laughs) we won't talk about here tonight about the mistakes I made trading away Mike Trout. But yeah, you know, I think that's a, that's, that, that sort of speaks to the point of what you're talking about. Presents a really challenging circumstance and wanting to maybe capitalize on sort of that, that bicep injury, a little bit of rumors of, you know, what's his exit velocity like? How did he perform at the alternate site? You know, you compare that to some other prospects like maybe Jared Kalanick, 
uh, who's, you know, just got glowing reports is probably going to come up. You, you're seeing some outlets go so far as to maybe even put Julio Rodriguez ahead of Wander Franco at this time. So, you know, I guess I'm sort of curious. I just want to put you on the spot a little bit. What do you see Wander doing when he comes up? Let's just agree that he's going to come up sort of fully in 2022 because I agree with you when it comes to the Rays, how they're going to handle him. Despite the little teaser we got in the World Series, I don't see I don't see getting very many plate appearances out of Wander Franco this year. It's, it's probably going to happen, like you say, toward the end of the year. But what what are you seeing in terms of your your expectation for Wander pretty immediately to try to handle that market fluctuation or at least predict it as best you can? If we're talking about a full season, I mean, first of all, it depends on which position he ends up playing, uh, second baseman or shortstop. Right now, the the thinking is that he'll be second base and they'll move Brandon Lau to to the outfield. That's that's what I've heard the most of. And I actually think that that, for his value in dynasty leagues, makes it better because everyone's looking for a second baseman, right? There are a yeah. lot of shortstops nowadays. If that were the case, you know, he could eat, he would be, I think he, he could put top five second baseman production in his first year, full year in 2022. Which I mean, like once you get down to the to the to the end of the top five, that's not saying a whole lot, right? You're looking at guys who have, have who have tremendous strikeout rates and then maybe tremendous power to go along with it, and it's just kind of a trade off of one of the things. The difference is that Franco probably doesn't have the power that you're that that you would hope for, at least not yet. Um, but I I could still see him being a 2020 guy in uh, in his first full year. Maybe, maybe it's 1525, something like that. But I think that's definitely a possibility. And hitting 280 with a OBP of 360 or above is definitely in play. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I, I think it's, uh, it's hard to know exactly what we, what we have in him. Obviously, if he does come up and, and does get the second base job, that really does give a boost to his value. I think, you know, he could play anywhere, third base, shortstop, um, second base, who knows? It'll probably be dependent on injuries and sort of what opens up there. Lau has played some first and some outfield in his time. Uh, so yeah, that, that certainly will add a little bit more. Uh, and if he has multi-position eligibility for a couple of years, you know, if he's a Ray, he's probably going to play multiple places on the diamond. They seem to dislike to do that as a matter of course. So that's, uh, that's certainly something in second base in 2022 with maybe, you know, Whit Merrifield uh, sort of falling out of that obviously we're talking dynasty. So he's, he's already losing his star considerably despite some decent production. It's a very, very light position. And, you know, like, like, let's say Catal Marte doesn't come back to any kind of form and sort of reverts back to who he was in 2018. Well, then there's another one gone. And and so, yeah, if he comes up as a second baseman, it, it could take him out of control, frankly. Uh, and I think, you know, and something we, we were sort of briefly talking about before is before we started recording, that is, is sort of what, is, is Wander Franco, has he shown us even his best? Has he gotten to a point where he's, you know, almost feeling bored, almost feeling unchallenged? You know, I, I, I've i said this already a couple of times on this pod, but I just, I really want to know what he would have done in double A because he was challenged a little bit in, in high A and he was playing in the Florida State League, which, you know, is more of a pitcher friendly league. So the, the power numbers didn't quote unquote translate. But then you look at other prospects who are in that league who are you know known for their power, like uh, Trevor Larnock, and they didn't translate all of their power necessarily, you know, when you look at sort of an overall stat line in the Florida State League. So I, I think that's something we saw 
you know, he was challenged certainly a little bit more in that league, but I just would have loved to see what he would, he would have done in double a and that one, what that would have done to his market as well. So I, I guess, do you have Wanda Franco in any of your leagues? Do you own a share of this guy? I do. I, uh, I picked him in. I, so I'm in a number of, I'm in like five dynasty leagues. Um, my oldest one is 20, 21 years old now. And I have him in that league. I picked him six years ago, I think. And just kind of out of the blue, just just hearing that he was the top prospect without really knowing much, to be honest. Because at that point, I think he was probably what? Well, no, if it was, he, yeah, he'd be about 15, 16. At that point, it was before he signed, definitely. And um, I think it was the year before he signed. So there isn't generally a lot of information, especially back then, about guys the year before they signed. You just don't really hear it very much. I mean, now you get videos of people, of guys working out and that's about it. And then you'll hear this guy's the best or this guy's the best. Yeah. But back then you didn't get much. Um, so I do have him in one league. I've been offered some pretty hefty deals for him. They've pretty much stopped offering me uh, deals for him because I know I, I've, I've, I've had my fair share of the past of trading away prospects early, just hoping to capitalize and win now and stuff. And I told yeah. him, look, this one, I'm just not going to do it. Um, and, I, and I totally uh, see what you're saying about his best, there were times, especially in the, the earlier parts of, uh, what was it, 20, 2019? It's kind of hard to, to remember what, what baseball was like. Uh, 20, the early parts of 2019 and, the, and all of 2018 when he could look disinterested. And I don't think it's necessarily for a, lack of, uh, for a lack of competitiveness. I just think he looked disinterested because he could actually make the plays while being disinterested. <laughs> yeah. He was that talented. And... When it, I really want to see what we can do double A too because um, the one the one knock I have heard about him is that he is going to need a exit velocity or not exit velocity but a launch angle adjustment. It's not as extreme as from what I've heard as as what you what you need from like uh, Vlad Jr. His because his is basically ground ball or home run. That if you if we're going to see more power from him, it's that is going to be the key. Yeah, I I I would tend to agree, and it. You know, just having watched him all day and previously, it, I, I do feel that, and I feel the same way about Vlad as well. I mean, Vlad is still so incredibly young, and we've been so spoiled by some of the young guys who have come up recently, that Vlad and, well, a guy like Vlad, but also Wander, Wander in, in particular, I think he's got the back control to figure that out. And I think oh, yeah. that, that sort of disinterested look he might have, which... Honestly, I want to be very clear. I'm not calling Wander Franco disinterested in any way. It's just that appearance that he seems to really outclass his competition. I think if he is challenged, and also I think if there starts to be, you know, what did what did Vlad do after a couple of years of people knocking on him? Well, he saw what Tatis did, and he hit the gym for the first time in his life, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And and well, the Griffey. Yeah, yeah he, he's, he's just like, oh, you guys don't think that I'm all that? Well, I guess that's all the motivation I needed. And I think we, we could definitely experience some of that with, uh, with Wander. And he's in an organization that has the tools to help him maximize all of the skills that he has naturally. That's something, you know, as much as the Rays can, can mess around with their prospects, and, and I don't love having a having a player on their team necessarily in terms of getting that player onto my fantasy team. Cause they tend to be screwy. I, I do think that with, with the kind of talent they have in, in wander that it, that's not really, they're going to write a whole new book, you know, just for his development. 
I think they're going to want to totally uh, maximize all of his his pre-arbitration years. So I think once they bring him up, he's going to be up. And they think that because it seems like he's going to be a, a, a higher than replacement level player right away. And uh, if you have that kind of guy that you don't really have a doubt about, you're just going to leave him up there and let him contribute. And that's one of the nice things about the race process, even if they kind of mess around with guys. When they actually have those guys up, they put them in in the positions to get the to help the team the most. So like Franco is going to hit in the top of the order as soon as he gets called up. I, I have no doubt about that. Yeah, and the the on base skills, the the approach at the plate are just otherworldly. Uh, his in his ability to to not strike out. I'm super curious to see what that looks like against higher competition. But that sort of speaks to a little bit of that the back control and the the zone control that he comes with. He could add you know, he could give up 10% more in K rate and still be at, you know, 17% and, you know, figure out how to get power that way. And I, I think he, with more and more time with, with more and more advanced competition that he plays against, he's going to use that eye at the plate to be more discerning about the pitches that he can drive. He's going to learn a lot more, you know, when it comes to that and the organization he's with is going to, is going to help him, you know, sort of in that endeavor, but I have a share of Wander Franco. I've been trying in other leagues to, to trade for him. And it, it's very much impossible. It seems like, and even that, you know, this is even after the, the year off where we didn't necessarily get any new information and people might just, for lack of a better term, get bored with, you know, there, there's no more information like, Oh, I'm, I'm nervous. I hear some rumors about launch angle stuff. And that's the same thing happening to Vlad. So maybe I need to capitalize now. And, all that stuff. Um, I mean, I even at, before the the pandemic hit, before our draft, sort of. I, I don't know if this happens in the leagues where you have Wander and people have stopped offering you stuff, but it got to a point where I just started offering more and more ridiculous things just to see it rejected. I I really wanted to force the other manager, like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna tell me that it's not not tenable. Let me offer you a top five player who's under thirty. And have you reject that simply so I can screenshot it and show you later, <laughs> no matter what happens. Right. I mean, if he turns into the greatest player ever, I can be like, dude, look what you did. It's amazing. You know, kudos to you. And if he, you know, turns into a decent player, but maybe not a great player, I can be like, I can show him the screenshot and just say, Hey, remember when I offered you Mookie Betts straight up for Wander Franco and you turned me down. And I did do that. And I was turned down. And that was sort of the last offer that I put in because I was like, well, first of all, I don't have any more valuable players than Mookie Betts. So if he's not taking that, what can I do? But I just wanted to really, if you're going to tell me no, and it's going to be sort of a hard line in the sand, I'm going to make you dig deep. I'm going to make you, you know, get all the way down several feet in that line in the sand. So you really are on a little island all by yourself. I, um, I have done that in one league. I did that in one league where I offered, uh, who do it was um, Bogarts. I think I offered Bogarts and Joe Adele. It was a it was a uh, it was a combo offer of Bogarts and Adele for Franco to see what see what we got. And I just got I just got a straight up. You're not getting him for anything on your team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the confidence people have when they already own Wander and all they spent right. on like a first year player draft pick a few years ago. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely puts people in an interesting mindset. I mean. That especially when it's not even a conversation. It's like I obviously what I offered was a uh, was what could be worth discussing, right? Like this is not like it was a joke offer. 
yeah it's something that you could talk about <laughs> well and it's also interesting too you're you're offering at that point it sounds like another top five prospect right like right. joe joe adele at that point his his well he's not technically rookie eligible but he's prospect eligible in most dynasty formats um, this, was, this was this was two years ago yeah so the helium was huge yeah. he had just yeah, crushed for, for both of them yes yeah but joe adele maybe <laughs> was a little bit closer and oh uh-huh. man yeah two years ago and that's so that's with bogarts being what like 24 25 too 25 yeah i think he was, wow. I think he was. and he was having a great year yeah so, well he, yeah. he tends to do that yeah yeah you know that's that, yeah that's amazing man well i guess you know that sort of gets to uh to the meat of the article here where you know i don't want to i don't i want to make sure people go and they see all the reasoning and they they see some of the work you did in terms of forecasting rookies and stuff like that but what i'm super curious to just chat with you about is you went over 10 trades that happened for Wanda Franco to try to sort of understand the market in with real hard, this trade happened in a league. It was made by two humans coming to an agreement. And, you know, now what we can, what are we, what are we going to do with this information now? And so, yeah, I mean, if you're game, I would just like to sort of go over some of these trades with you and, and just sort of chat about them because some of them are quite something. And then some of them feel a little bit more, I don't know if I want to say steal because we don't really know what we have in Wander yet, but right. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. So, yeah. Throw, throw some at me. Let's talk about them. Yeah. Well, I just want, I'm curious about this first one. So we got the first team, they are acquiring Wander and the aforementioned Joe Adele and Taylor Trammell and Marcel Ozuna. And they traded away Mookie Betts and Diego Garcia for that package. What do you, what do you think about that? So there's a, I have a theory of mine and let me just tell you, this is not anything that is uh, seriously researched at all. It's just a trend that I see. And that is, and while they might be my type of my type of player, because I'm a short guy, short guys tend, even if they are fantastic, tend to have either earlier primes or shorter primes and can often start to fall off around 28 or 29 before if you're, and if you're a bigger guy, it can act, it'll, you know, it's more like 30, 31. And so my, my premise for evaluating this trade is that Mookie is a shorter guy, right? Um, yeah. We all love him. He's, he's fantastic. He's my, he's probably my favorite player in the league and he has been, has been since he was in double A and I have Mookie in the same league. I have Wander Franco in that same league we're talking about. And like, I worry about his ability to maintain the power, first of all, and also the health. Um, those are the two of the things that tend to, to hurt the shorter guys first. If you're looking at it that way, I can totally see this package being pretty even on both sides. Like, I don't think Mookie Betts is going to fall off a cliff. I don't think that at all. In fact, I really hope that he's great until he's like 33, like normal, like anybody normal. Yeah. Um, who's, who's a potential hall of famer, not normal, but <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Who's an elite um, player. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so like I could see him, you know, taking, starting taking a dive in the next couple of years where, you know, he's not quite as good. And then, and then he becomes more, say if you shave 10% of production off of him, he becomes, he becomes more of like a third outfielder type guy. And if that were to happen as soon as 2022, this deal starts to look better and better for the Wander Franco side, even if Wander Franco isn't exactly what we hope. I mean, I like, I like the idea of Wander from Mookie straight up, just if you're a, uh, if one side is trying to win now and one side is obviously in the rebuild, this is for me, a reasonable place to start a conversation. Now what you build around that, that will probably end up making or breaking the trade for me. But like, 
I don't mind that this is where you start. Some people might call that crazy. Those are also the people who don't end up getting Wander Franco. Yeah. That, that for sure, the people who are calling this one crazy are that you're just, you're never going to be the person trading for a top prospect once they've already sort of hit that, that, that level. You're also probably not going to be the person that drafts that prospect either. Yeah. You're probably, Um, you're probably a college bad guy. Yeah. Or you're, you're just not that you just don't believe in prospects enough to really like go all out for them. And I totally get that. Some people have a different way, a different strategy of doing it. And they're more into mining for people in free agency or whatever. But uh, you, if you want to get Wander Franco, a guy like him, you're not going to be able to get him after he turns 17 in any kind of draft, unless you happen to get lucky on a, and your first year player draft only allows for you to draft them the year they signed their contract. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you got him in an open universe situation. Oh yeah. Um, well, and it's interesting too, because uh, Franco's in, in my home league, Franco's value and availability was I guess I'll use the word arbitrarily created by just the nuances of playing on Yahoo. Yahoo is very weird about when they add players to the universe. Oh yeah. It's it's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, there's times when, and and this was sort of a, uh, maybe an issue with the league, but it also rewards those who are paying attention and, and take shots. Guys like Julio Rodriguez and Ronald Acuna were picked up in, in that league you know, as free agents, simply because they were in the universe, guys like Wanda Franco and Bo Bichette, they were not added at the end of their, at the end of their sort of coming out party in the minor leagues. And so they ended up being top picks in the next year's draft. So yeah. that's, that's sort of something that, you know, on Yahoo definitely can get screwy with, with when a player becomes available. Yeah. I, I actually traded, I traded my waiver priority uh, several years ago, right before Paul Goldschmidt came up. I was going to say Paul Goldschmidt. I was going to talk about him. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he came up in the middle of the year, but because mm-hmm. his prospect stock wasn't huge, he wasn't just a part of the Yahoo system. Certainly back then, right. Yahoo's right. they've gotten a little bit better, but at the same time, they still have very weird holes, I, I guess I'll call it. But I mean, you know, when I look at this trade, getting those two top prospects is not a bad starting place when you're trading away, you know, an elite player like Mookie Betts, but then mm-hmm. you, you add on top of that, that they got Marcelo Zuna. Right. So they're getting, you know, not full bets production, but I mean, Ozuna has been, been pretty fantastic and he should have a couple of years left where he, I, I think he's going to do well, but that's, you know, that's a great way to replace some current value that you're losing in Mookie. And then you're taking two of the best prospects that you can either wait and see if they mature, or you could flip Joe Adele in this for, you know, for something else to sort of make up for that lost time. And then all of a sudden you've gotten Wander and Marcelo Zuna and Taylor, you know, Trammell for, and and you've maybe you've traded away Joe Adele for, for some other pitcher that's going to help. Like, you know, this is a trade that gives you a lot of options. So I I sort of like that. That's the one thing about the bets for Wander straight up that that guy didn't take you know, you're, you're really putting all your chips in one basket and this trade isn't necessarily doing that. So I would, I would say the Wander side won this one. I, I guess we'll have to see, but it, for current times, I would, that's, I would, I would say the team acquiring Wander and Adele and Trammell, even though I really don't like Trammell. I don't uh, I, Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just, I don't know. There's something about, he's like that guy in your fantasy league who just keeps getting traded yep. from team to team because everyone's like, oh yeah, he's okay. And then they own him. And it's like, and no, this like, is, yeah. it's terrible. So it's like, like, it's time to bring him up. Right. And they're like, yeah, not yet. Not yet. We're not going to bring him up yet. He's not ready yet. And it's like, no, we just don't want him on our team anymore. That's happened like twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. <laughs> you know, and I think something else that's, 
there, there, one of the things that, you know, we could, we could talk about with every single trade. And I feel like you could do that with any fantasy trade in any format, whatever is to just say, okay, well, what is each team trying to do? What is the roster construction? What is the formats? What are the categories? You know, is it head to head Roto? Is it, is it, is it points, whatever it is. That's, that's obviously swirling underneath as a question for, for any of these deals, but I think it, it's almost a little bit more fun to tease out just the raw value uh, that some, some people are, are sort of giving. I, yeah, I totally get that one. I mean, like, I see what you're saying with the Ozuna part of this deal. Um, I'm more of a, uh, what would you call myself? What would you call me? I'm more of a hardcore, like a zealot when it comes to trading for purpose. So like if I'm trading for prospects and I'm trading away a guy like Mookie Betts, I don't even want Ozuna. And that's not because I don't think he's valuable. It's like, I want something younger because I don't want a player that is not going to, that doesn't fit with the rest of what I'm getting. And I don't let, and, I, and I'm not a huge fan of trying of trading people think I'll be thinking I'll be able to flip them later, especially if they're vets. I think that it's that you, you can end up getting really burned easily with that. Yeah, no, you can. But I, I totally see what you're saying. Like other, uh, I'm not saying don't do it because of that. It's just, if I'm doing it, I don't do that. Yeah. I mean, and I, I see that, you know, if you're gonna, so you, you would be classified, I guess, as a, a full rebuilder and not a retooler. Yeah. I, I tear it down uh, when I, when I think I don't have a chance to win. I just, I'll just, uh, it's a fire sale and then I, and then I'll rebuild. I mean, yeah. and Hey, depending on, on sort of where everything is at, that's, that's not a terrible idea uh, to, to just sort of chase it. Cause you can also, you know, when you, if you're looking at that trade and you're thinking about negotiating, if that person who uh, acquired Ozuna could have instead of inquiring Ozuna, just acquired three more prospects, you know, say in the top 30, top 40. Yeah. That, that gives you a lot more options to hit. It's sort of like, you know, Ozuna is a, he's going to decline. He's, if he's, once he gets over 30 in a dynasty league, his value is going to tank because that's the number where everyone runs to the hills, it seems like. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying there. And it, it sort of takes us to, uh, to another trade to talk about, which uh, I, I don't know. This one I found a little bit harder to stomach. So the team, so we got the team acquiring Wanda Franco. They get Wanda Franco, Vlad Jr., Bobby Witt Jr., and Braylon Marquez. They traded away to get that Cody Bellinger, Nolan Arenado, Lucas Giolito, Carlos Carrasco, and a second round pick in 2020. Mm-hmm. That is a significant amount of value. That is an avalanche of win now. I don't even care what you feel about Nolan Arenado going to St. Louis. He's not going to be bad. Yeah. So, and Bellinger is, you know, 24, 25, like he's, right. he, he's not anywhere close. He hasn't peaked yet. He probably is peaking in one or two years. I mean, he's yeah. already put up insane seasons. Mm-hmm. Then you're getting an ace in Giolito. You're getting a solid, like two or three starter in Carrasco and you're getting a pick. I mean, yeah. At the same time, this was, this trade was almost two years ago. Right. So if you think, think about it back then, that was when Vladimir Guerrero was the consensus number one uh, prospect. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. was picked. Uh, just picked in the draft, I think. And Wander Franco was probably the number two, number three pit, number three prospect. And at that point, Giolito was not at the status he is today. That's one part of it, right? Yeah, like, he really cemented yeah. himself in the last year. And I think Bellinger, 2018 was his year, right? Was his MVP year? Bellinger was an MVP in 2019. This was in 2019. So right after he did his his big coming out party where he no, it, 
Yeah, it could have been right before too. I wasn't, I didn't specify whether uh, it was before or after. And I don't think I have the information. I mean, if it was before, I could see this, this trade looks a lot better now than it did, you know, after he wins the MVP and looks like he's the next, he's the best first baseman for the next 15 years. Right. Yeah. You know, even after, like, I'm not, this is, I mean, kind of what I, what I say about this deal is I think that in terms of overall talent, the side that is getting all of the win now probably wins. I mean, like, I don't, I don't think Mike, or I don't think Wander Franco is going to be Mike Trout because there's only been one Mike Trout, one Mike Trout in the last 70 years. Right. Like, I think that, um, but I do think that he, he's going to be a great player. That said, you know, I would not fault somebody for what for who is who's obviously tearing everything down to rebuild this all depends on what other options are out there to me like i kind of say like if this is a take it or leave it situation sure there's like there's like more things i would like to if i was in this negotiation i would ask for different things but if this is a take it or leave it situation and there aren't many other options to to deal i'm i would probably do this deal and knowing that i'm overpaying i i think so i mean and it, this the team that acquired Bellinger and Arenado and Giolito, especially if that was pre-breakout Giolito. I mean, they they probably gave themselves a significant chance to win whatever format they were in. I mean, that's like half a team right sure. there. It hurts, you know, especially when you think about the timing of it all. It, it can definitely hurt to give up, you know, Franco and 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 Vlad and, and Bobby Witt and even Braylon Marquez's stock may have been a little bit higher when this trade happened because he hadn't gotten a little bit of there's a little reliever risk with him that seems to be coming more and more to the surface as there is with every pitching prospect, but with him specifically, I feel like maybe at this time, everyone was just talking about him throwing a hundred from the left side. And that was pretty much all she wrote for, uh, for that, for that conversation. This was also when Carrasco had, I think this might've been just before we found out about his, uh, his cancer. And that changes things too. Cause then it's, then he's the ace and Giolito is the one that's like, Oh, we'll take a shot on him. Cause he was good. And then he had the, the surgery and we'll see if he can turn it around. And he certainly has, but it's sort of, you know, that's a, that's a good trade for, you know, that's the kind of trade that could have happened in 2018 in open universe. You're taking a, you're acquiring Wander and Vlad at that time. It's worth a shot. If you think you're literally acquiring two hall of fame players, it's hard to, uh, to trade with that in mind and sort of assume that that's what you're going to get. But yeah, especially since you could be giving up potentially two Hall of Fame players, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> definitely, definitely the case. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's go to another one that's a little bit more, how should you say, consolidation. It's like a consolidation trade. And it's the trades you've talked about so far, you know, you're getting Wander and you're getting somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. So this one is Wander Franco for Matt Chapman, Ozzy Albies, Joe Musgrove and AJ Puck. Right. How do you feel about that one? Yeah, I don't like this deal. For who? Uh, I don't like the deal for the team that gets Chapman. Interesting. Tell me more. I the reason the reason I don't like this deal is well, I think Chapman's a fine player. He's certainly a, a much better player in real life than he is in de- in uh, fantasy baseball, right? Because his defense is just out of this world. Yeah. In dynasty leagues and in i would say redraft leagues he's like maybe the he's somewhere between eight and ten in third baseman right yeah something like that i mean i've seen him as low as like 15 recently the the hip injury last year is sort of yeah eroded a little bit of his value he was flying high after uh sort of a a break a power breakout and then a low babip and everyone talking about his exit velo so after after the juice ball year i feel yeah. like his stock was pretty high or at least you could make the argument for it but 
but yeah, he's definitely better in real life than he is in, in fantasy. And if this hip injury plagues him a little bit, uh, the, the value is going to come down significantly because the batting average is going to be poor. And once that goes, it's going to be, it's going to be rough. I essentially see this deal as uh, Franco for Chapman and Ozzy, because I don't really, I think Musgrove is in, unless you're in like a 30 team dynasty league, Musgrove is, is more or less replaceable. He's a guy that you would find on waiver wires, maybe half of the time, depending on, on uh, how deep your rosters are and uh, how deep your league is really. And then uh, AJ Puck, I'm just not a huge fan of his. I think he's a major reliever risk and he's a major health, health risk. I mean, all, all pitchers are health risks, but I think that his is, is documented more than most. Yeah. So, I mean, like, well, I'm not saying somebody says I'll, I'll give you AJ Puck. I wouldn't take him but I don't consider him like tremendous added value because of all those risks involved, I guess is what I'm saying. I think that's fair. So uh, yeah. So it's for me, it's, it's Franco for Chapman and obviously, and it's, it's, it's great to have, you know, maybe the best second baseman, but at the same time, especially in a short in a short position, but what I, from what I, what I think about Franco, I think that he's going to be better than Albies. And is he going to be better and he could be even better, I think, than him by 2022. And is that is it enough to get a uh, a borderline third baseman uh, along with him to trade him? Probably not for me. That's my thinking. Yeah. Well, now we can talk about how the fact that this is the trade that I made. <laughs> this this is the trade that I made for Wander Franco. I uh, I joined a league. And there were two available teams, but they became available at different times. And I was mm. given, I, I, so I joined first and I was given the team without Wander. And then there was another opening that happened after a, after a rules dispute. And, uh, you know, the team with Wander became available and I reached out to the commission. I was like, Hey, nothing, not much has really happened here. Can I just like take over that team? He's like, ah, we can't really do that. And hey, I understand that, right? I'm a commish. Yeah. You have to have some rules. You can't just have it be a free-for-all because it falls apart very quickly. And it's one of the challenges of managing my home league with all my, my best friends. It's, uh, it's very hard to keep them in line. It's even harder sh- when you have family in your leagues. Oh, man. I can't, even, I can't even think. I mean, I guess my dad was in my league one year, but really I just gutted his team and tried to win the league. <laughs> um, that was that was early on in the fantasy days when there wasn't any rules that's fantastic yeah yeah for sure uh my my friends definitely remind me of that every now and again and i'm sure i'll hear about it after this pod but uh-huh. yeah you, you know i i sort of saw and this this happened in a league that has contracts and salaries and and i think there's an argument to be made that that wander has more value in uh in a format where maybe you can quote unquote keep forever but i also think that you know, when you look about, you look at his age right now, and we're talking about potentially the ability for, for him to come up and be very valuable very quickly, right? So like his window is maybe 2022 in terms of ownership, right? Maybe I can own him for five years. His window is 2022 to, uh, to 2027, 28. You're still going to be, even if you're quote forced to trade him because of contracts, or whatever, his salary is going to be very low because you've owned him since he came up from your farm. And then you're going to be trading him at a time when you can make the argument that he still has way more in the tank. You know, you're going to be trading him when he is 25, 26. And so it's not going to be a situation where someone comes up as a 24 year old and then you, they're great. You hold them for four or five years and then you're trading them like trying to trade Nolan Arenado a year ago. Right. Like 
he's 29. So people are starting to think about that future a little bit more. If you're trading Wander Franco after four or five years of, of dominating performances, and he has yet to really get into, you know, I feel like 28 is when people start to really think about it. 27. It's still like, Oh, he's very young. He may be in his peak. Cause what is peak now? Who knows? 24 to 27, 28, depending on your size. I think I agree with that. Yeah. I think 28 is around the age. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, Albies is a great player, but I also sort of think, I don't know how much better he's going to get. He wasn't in the format we were playing. He wasn't ever going to become an elite player. Although he, I think he was going to be very good for a while. And Musgrove is, he hadn't even had his, I don't it's last year with the pirates at the end of the year. I mean, he was absolutely dominating, struck out a whole bunch of dudes, changed his pitch mix. Like Musgrove is potentially primed for a little bit of a little bit of a breakout. I, I, I'll sort of go against you there. I think Musgrove could, I think Musgrove could do a lot in, in San Diego this year. I think if he was a pirate, it'd be a different story. Most people are still playing with wins. This league plays with wins, you know, with, with that potential. I think, I think Musgrove could be a little bit, and he's not going to be amazing. Don't get me wrong, but 150, 160 innings, decent amount of wins, at least potential for more. And, uh, and a a K to nine over nine for, you know, for sort of that sustained time. I think that's, you know, that's going to have some value, but that's probably it. He's not going to win a Cy Young. I don't think he's not going to turn into an elite player. And I totally agree with you on puck as much as the stuff is still there. The body is still there in the sense of, you know, where he's delivering the ball from. I'm just out on that. You know, I'm, I'm running to the Hills on a, a pitcher that's had multiple injuries like that, even though they're, they're minor and you, you, they, you know, he should be able to come back. He really has pitched almost no innings. Yes. And that to me is just, there's enough pitching prospects out there where I was happy to sort of capitalize in this moment on the name because mm-hmm. he had it. This happened before uh, this last year where he incurred another injury and another setback. So that's, I was happy to sort of move him off as like, a, you know, I asked the dude, I was like, what is the price? And he sort of quoted me this price. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that chance. And I, I wanted to get myself a share because you want to enjoy, you know, all that's happening in baseball and getting your, that's the sort of another aspect of this, right? Like right. the point of fantasy baseball is to win. We can't deny that, but it's also really fun to, to, to have certain players on fantasy teams so that you can enjoy in the greatness. You know, I don't, I don't have a share of Juan Soto. And I wish I did. I don't have a share of Ronald Acuna. I wish I did. So this is sort of like, well, the commission told me I couldn't have this team. So I just forced his hand. And I will say this trade received more objections than any trade in the history of the league. (laughs) And everyone was on the side of how could you trade Wander Franco for that much? They were, they thought that I had made a very, very, very foolish move. Yeah. And, you know, I had to talk to the commissioner. I had to explain myself, all these things. And I, I made a compelling argument and, you know, he wasn't too concerned with it. He we just needed to allay the concerns with some, uh, some, some upset people, but yeah, man. I mean, and the, the manager that I, I acquired Franco from, I actually finished ahead of him in the standings last year. Uh, and now he thinks that I won the trade. So uh-huh. who knows? Yeah. We'll see. And Chapman, yeah. Chapman stock's taking a little bit of a hit. Albies is still good. Musgrove's going up, but this, this trade for me right now almost feels like Albies and Musgrove for Wander and, and, you know, Chapman's not bad, but it's uh yeah, I'm happy. I made the trade. We'll, we'll see what happens. And I feel like I, I give myself a chance at some dominant years and then I can trade him when he's quote unquote near or around his peak. So it's not too crazy. Yeah. Uh, contracts always change it a little bit and I, and I'll certainly take your word about it. Musgrove. I do. I do think that he's one of those guys that everyone talks about in the beginning of the year and then, 
and then uh, he starts pitching and then they stop talking about him, but it could be different. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, just, I, sadly, I, I am a Pirates fan, so I, I do get to, oh, that's... I, ha- I, I have time during the games to dig deep on the players. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Musgrove came over from the Astros in the, in the Garrett Cole deal. And he was supposed to have all that sort of amazing spin stuff yeah. that was happening in, for the Astros. And, and he had, you know, some, some great pitches with a lot of break. And then he got to the Pirates and they were like, don't throw those pitches, throw fastballs. It's going to work out great. And it didn't. Um, and he's had some injury stuff and he's he's been able to miss bats, but not get strikeouts. And anyway, last year he threw the, the lowest percentage of fastballs he's ever thrown. He relied on his breakers. If you look at his last couple of starts uh, against uh, the last couple of starts in, in 2020, he put up some dominant performances like I think he struck up 13 in seven innings in you know the last couple but again that was after doing dealing with another injury yeah. uh, and sort of having to come back so nothing is also, guaranteed there yeah it's also against a league that is really diluted and uh because of COVID restrictions and all the new talent that's coming in I don't know I mean like I'm not trying to dampen it but there's especially about 2020 like that really scares me for some people where like I think both on the hitting and the pitching side, there are so there were so many new faces and people are just throwing out bodies. Some stretches cannot be can be completely fluke like. And I'm not saying that's necessarily the thing with Musgrove. Obviously, it sounds like he's changed some things, but uh, I do worry about that a lot with guys who seem to pop up last year. No, I I think you're you're on the mark there. I mean, this is the I don't know the hardest year to evaluate what is going to happen in the next year. And then we just got the information that we're going to get a brand new ball, but maybe we're not even going to be able to use that ball in spring training. And I don't even, you know, it's like we lost the minor leagues for last year. We got all these weird schedules and then you got the COVID restrictions and you got people living weird lives, not being able to work out. We lost in-game video. So a lot of players like Javi Baez and JD Martinez and Josh Bell even, who are used to relying on that. We're not able to, well, that's coming back. There's never been more change happening that corrupts our ability to evaluate than there is happening this year. I mean, it is when that, when that ball information came out, I just, I I was like, I kind of just threw everything up and I was like, well, now what do I do? Yeah. I just started, I just, frankly, I just started acquiring more pitchers because I was like, I'm going to need, a thousand pitchers because none of them are going to pitch full innings. It's going to be weird stuff. There's going to be injuries. I was just like, give them all, all of them. I want every single pitcher. I'm going to, you know, if I have 17 keepers, I'm keeping like nine pitchers just because it's, it's going to be death by a thousand cuts, hopefully for everyone else. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about another trade. Yeah. I think we, yeah, yeah, let's do one more and then we'll, we'll, we'll have, we'll have some fun. So we got Wanda Franco, Joe Adele, and a fifth round pick for Walker Bueller. I think this is this is a fine deal for both sides. Um, if I would be more happy with getting the Wander Franco side of the deal, it seems like the Dodgers are never going to stop babying Bueller. Maybe there's a good reason for that. Maybe there's something, you know. I mean, like he has had some some injury history, right? And the blisters are weird too. That's always and the a blisters weird thing. are weird. Yeah, he he was he was good last year, but at the same time, uh, he wasn't as good as we kind of expected or thought that he would do like he would he would take another level he's kind of being talked about like he's a potential signing guy and that and that could end up happening it definitely could but i would be more i'd rather have those two assets because i think that say walker Bueller reaches his apex potential and he is he's a contender for the cy young and say wander franco reaches doesn't even reach his apex potential but is a perennial all-star second baseman shortstop he's still probably worth as much as walker Bueller is in my opinion 
and then you add in the sort of the injury risk and right. that, just, that just comes along with pitchers in general. And yeah, I think this is actually going to be an interesting year for, for Walker Bueller in the sense, you know, like you said, talking about winning a Cy Young on the one hand, he's got to contend against the Padres lineup a lot. But on the other hand, if every other pitcher not named Jacob deGrom is going to be restricted in some way, it could level the playing field a little bit. And we'll see, we'll see how many innings Trevor Bauer goes. I think he's a guy that, you know, he got to pitch against Detroit and Pittsburgh a lot last year. Yeah. Um, so I don't really believe his ability to maintain that ERA. Um, he's been and, good like that in stretches before too. And then just completely been shelled. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that high on Bauer. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's certainly being taken very high and, and Hey, you know, going, being on the Dodgers is not going to hurt his eye. I don't right. think, but yeah. it, it might well, we'll see, man. You never know. He's got a very interesting personality. That's kind of the thing, too, about being on the Dodgers, a pitcher on the Dodgers, is they're always so deep with pitching anyway. You're just not going to see a lot of guys throw 200 innings because they don't need you to throw 200 innings. I don't see anyone on that team. I mean, unless there was some very specific thing that happened in the signing that says I need to, to pitch whenever right. I want to. I mean, you're talking about Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin not even having jobs, which is just, I mean, they have jobs, but not having starting rotation jobs, which to me is criminal. Right. And I'm a Gonsolin guy, but you also you know, got a guy like Josiah Gray, who could probably be a number four or five starter on a lot of people's uh, starting on a lot of people's rotations. And he's not even going to probably come up this year because they're so deep. Yeah. And if, it, if he does, he's probably going to, you know, have some bullpen stuff. Definitely won't right. be anywhere near that rotation unless the craziest injury bug in the world hits that team. Yeah. I think, you know, when it comes to this, I'd be happy to, to be getting Franco and Adele and a pick. For, for Bueller, obviously, I'm sure I'd have to figure out some pitching once I made this trade. But with right. the two elite possible ceilings for Franco and Adele, that's more than tantalizing enough for me to, to ship off sort of an elite uh, elite player, elite pitcher like, like Bueller. And I, I'm a Bueller guy, but I agree that what we've seen so far and being on the Dodgers, there's enough question marks there where it's like, you know, I don't know, maybe I want Aaron Nola because I know he's going to potentially pitch 220 innings right. if, if they just let him go, go off. And maybe I want Zach Allen because Arizona is just going to let him roll too. And they're not going to try to, to sort of baby him. And I, I think I'd be happy to, uh, to trade away Bueller for, for these two guys. I'm a Bueller guy too. I just, it's just so frustrating sometimes um, yeah. between, and it's, I mean, obviously frust- it's a, it's a good kind of frustrating for him, right? Where like, he's not, he doesn't have to anchor anything. Right. And his health isn't making or breaking a team. But like for, for if he's on your team, it's really frustrating to to see that he's, you know, being skipped to start because he may or may not have blisters or he's being skipped to start because they they want to li- just limit his innings just to limit his innings after he's been in the league for a couple of years. And I feel like that's one thing also with the Dodgers is they limit innings and they have their whole Dodgeritis thing. And when they gave people a shorter DL, the Dodgers were exploiting the heck out of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was, I, I, I was, I was talking to my league mates. I was like, none of these guys are hurt. This is just, this is just like pure <laughs> exploitation. This is garbage. What is happening? I couldn't, I was so frustrated, but you know, part of the reason that they do that and that they limit those innings is because they know that they're going to go deep in the playoffs. Right. You know, I mean, at this point I, I, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure it's eight division titles in a row. Um, yeah. Something preposterous like that. So they just, it's a, it's an understood thing that they're going to go into the playoffs and that they have the depth to rest the guys and you're, you're, you're paying Trevor Bauer 40 million to win a world series. You have the right, re- you know, you have getting to the playoffs handled. 
So if that's what is in mind for the Dodgers, then they're always going to be limiting those guys for sort of the, the bigger picture that we don't get to enjoy the spoils of in the fantasy world, because, you know, our games turn off when the, when the playoffs start. So yeah, it's uh, you know, having traded for Wanda Franco in my uh, fantasy career, it's uh, it, it's, it's tough. It's really hard to figure out the value have been, you know, having been rejected offering top five players. Like it's uh, it's just crazy, man. So yeah, that's like um, one of the trades in here that you guys can read. We won't have to talk about it now, but is is it actually it's a trade that happened during the initial year of a draft. It's my, it was my favorite one to write about um, how people traded for picks in that. And that's how I view evaluating, especially prospects. If somebody proximity has nothing doesn't matter to me at all when if you're doing a first year draft for a dynasty league. It's who would you rather have than who? Like if you think that this player, if you're evaluating two players on who to pick, which one you would trade, you would rather have in a trade. That's the one you pick every time, even if, the, even if the other one hasn't been in the league yet. No, I, I agree. And it depends on where you're at. And if you're, if you need to retool, if you need to full rebuild, if you know what, what the format is, all those things you want to factor in. And, and then also I'm not going to begrudge someone who just wants to get Wanda Franco on a team and just have fun owning him. You know, that's, and, yeah. and, and seeing what happens. I mean, that's, that's yeah. the, the reason I got into fantasy baseball when I started was because I love certain players. And when I had them on a fantasy team, that love became double three times as much watching them became that much more enjoyable that I had that investment that, you know, wasn't necessarily tied to money. I didn't play fantasy for money for a long time. That just the joy of that you know, I can't begrudge someone trading away some, some semi old guys for, for the, the young hotshot thing that everyone's talking about. That's fun. And this is about, you know, there's, this is supposed to be in a lot of ways about fun. So I can't hate, I cannot hate. Yeah, me either. I want to close this out by playing a little prospect survivor with you if you're game. I'm game. So I tried, you know, to relate it a little bit to what we are sort of talking about here and sort of what you were talking about in the article with regard to the witching hour and what happens to players that come up with their, maybe it's a cup of coffee, maybe it's a, it's a whole frappuccino. Um, and they, they either stumble or they're, or they're hot. So I'm going to give you four names. The, the game is you have to vote one of these players off the island. You can right. keep three. One of them's got to go. So we got a couple of guys about to come up, a couple of guys that have debuted already. Here's what we got. Nolan Jones. For the Cleveland baseball team. Yeah. Ryan Mountcastle for the Baltimore Orioles. He, Brian Hayes of my Pittsburgh Pirates. And Jose Garcia of the Cincinnati Reds. Who are you voting off? Garcia. Ooh, that was quick and that was fast. Tell yeah. me why. Garcia fits the profile of a, of, a, of a prospect that I don't really try to um, go for unless it costs me nothing. Um, and that means he's extremely athletic. He just lacks skills. Okay. And like, and that I am less likely to wait for that kind of thing. Like if, if uh, he, and his, obviously the, the skill that he most lacks is contact and he has severe contact issues and contact is the most to me for hitters are the, the only currency there is everything else depends on your ability to make contact to me. Even if you're if you're talking about a player that has tremendous speed like he has, it doesn't matter. It's not going to work if you can't get on base. And Mountcastle doesn't have a problem with that. Um, obviously, he could play where he's going to play in the field is kind of an issue a little bit. You know, like he could end up being just a DH, and that's a, and that's a bummer. And then uh, Jones will probably play third. 
I, I think he ends up being a third baseman. And he he has a he has a little bit of a contact issue, but it's nothing. It's nothing that isn't easily overcomable and isn't overcomable by a lot of guys. And uh, the non blank on who is the other guy? Cabrian Hayes. Cabrian Hayes, right? Cabrian Hayes. First of all, Cabrian Hayes is going to get every opportunity to play for as long as he can play, uh, because of how great he is at third base defensively, right? Yeah. Um. So like he's going to even if it takes him a while, the Pirates are just going to let him play. Because it's not because he's going to be so good there that um, it almost doesn't matter how well he hits. So and he and he doesn't really have the contact issues. It's really more. It seems like to me it's more of a uh, of a launch angle thing, as to whether or not he's going to be like a really good player or just you know a really good third baseman with, a, with an okay bat, right? And I mean, sort of to your point about contact, Nolan Jones. You know, he does have some contact concerns, but he backs it up with twenty percent walk percentages. Exactly. Um, and he knows how to sort of command the zone. Mountcastle's got the contact ability, but he doesn't really. You know, he's he's up there swinging. I agree with you about you know Hayes. I I don't know if we're going to get anything close to that and ever again, frankly, because it was just kind of crazy. They expect good things from him, but not like that good from him. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. Even as a Pirates fan, I mean, I'm, I, I'm thinking maybe, you know, at peak, he could, he could pop a 280, 290 season with maybe 20 home runs and 20 steals, but that'll probably happen once. And then he's a good contact hitter. He's probably going to get you a few steals. The speed looks there. He's a smart player. Defense is going to keep him on the field. He could end up, yeah, a lot more of that real life stuff. You know, and, and I picked Garcia specifically because he did have a lot of helium before last season. And then the Reds, frankly, I think brought him up too soon. Oh yeah, they definitely did. And exposed him to, to major league pitching when he, he wasn't ready for it in his development path. And we'll see how that plays out in the long run, but yeah, his, his star is down for a lot of people. And for some it's not, and some are going to try to capitalize on that. I traded away Garcia this year because I was like, well, I don't know. And I just want to sort of move on from, from, from the not knowing, cause that's an uncomfortable place to be in fantasy. I probably just because I, I, there's something about Ryan Mountcastle that I just don't like. I can't really put my finger on it. And I think maybe, maybe it's the sort of lack of a position and, and not really knowing what he's going to end up there. And is he first base or outfielder, whatever it is, I don't, he makes contact, but I don't really trust guys who don't, and the approach to the plate for me is huge. Um, and so I like Jones I think Brian Hayes, you know, he's, he's up there swinging for the most part. He's using his contact abilities, but he's not going to strike out more than 15% of the time. He's probably going to have a walk rate at 9% or above. Yep. And, you know, Jose Garcia, I, I don't want to give up on him yet. And Mountcastle is just the kind of guy that I just don't own. I mean, he's, I get the, I get a little bit of Jeff Francoeur vibes, you know, okay. from, from Ryan Mountcastle. So we'll see. That's, that's just who I would go with uh, in this also because he's the only guy playing sort of outfield, maybe first base, whereas, it's we'll see where Jones ends up, right? He could play some third, he could play some outfield, he could play some first, you know, and that could give him some multi-position eligibility for a couple of years. And I'm definitely not, you know, I'm keeping Hayes. I'm, I'm going to the finals with Hayes for sure. And I'm not quite really, I agree that there's some worry with Jose Garcia, but I'm not, I'm not ready to get off the train yet. I'm just, I, Mount Castle just doesn't inspire. Yeah. I have, I have Garcia in uh, a couple of leagues, but I only have him because I picked him up off the waiver wire like i wouldn't i don't i wouldn't trade for him and i wouldn't and i didn't draft him um he's the kind of player to me that you that you luck out on by picking him up rather than spending to get him and one of the things i think that 
he gets cut out. He gets kind of paired with uh, with Luis Garcia because they came up at about the same time and they're like the same age or not the same age, but they're the same experience level, I would say. But they're two totally different players. And I and I would rather have Garcia. I'd rather have Luis Garcia. Um, oh, than Jose Garcia? Than Jose, than Jose Garcia because uh, of that ability to make contact and that more sound approach. Yeah. No, I do tend to chase contact. Even if it doesn't work out, they can, you know, their prospect stocks don't tend to fall off the, the planet because they're, they're at least putting up some decent numbers that you can maybe flip them for something. So that's a big thing for me. I, I, I chase contact ability. I chase advanced approach and I let everything else sort of figure itself out. And those yeah. chasing those two things have led to more successes than chasing big power with contact concerns. Yeah. Or, or pitchers, frankly, especially prep pitchers. So, well, I think uh, I think that pretty much wraps this up. We've, we've talked about Wander Franco for a whole bunch. I could go on, and I'm probably going to watch some more of him right now, see some <laughs> dingers, see some good walks. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an exciting season. I, I can't wait to see what Wander does this year wherever he is, be it AAA, AA, an alternate site, some weird backfield, or, you know, even a cup of coffee for the Rays. So, I, uh, I encourage everyone who is a Wander Franco owner or desperately wants to acquire him to go and read Travis's article on Pitcher List called The Wander Witching Hour and, or Wander's Witching Hour. And he's got a lot of good information in there, really breaks down all. Now there's 10 trades. We only talked about a few of them. Talks about rookies coming up and just gives a little history there. So, yeah, I strongly encourage everyone to go on Pitcher List and check that out. But unless you have, you know, anything else, I will, uh, I'll close this out here, bud. Sounds good. No, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun this year to see, to see minor leaguers again. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm going to be on that. I mean, as a Pirates fan, I'll have a lot of opportunity to focus on minor league baseball television. So <laughs> you sure will. I certainly, certainly will. Um, well, I'm well, a Bears fan, so I'll be there with you. <laughs> yeah. You guys are a little bit closer to the fun than we are. Maybe. Yeah. Just a touch, just a touch. Well, uh, yeah. So uh, with that, uh, for uh, for Travis Shear, and you can catch Travis Shear on Twitter at Shear Travis, and that is spelled S H E R E R Travis. And you can catch me at Caught Looking with a V instead of a U, the Roman way, as I say. And if you want to give the pod a follow to check us out and you know get some information there about when we're coming out with new art, new uh, new podcasts. It is at on the farm PL and there is a lot of exciting stuff happening at picture lists. We are dropping an insane amount of articles, whatever style you play, whatever your interests are, you're going to find something there. But for Travis Shear, I am Kyle Brown and we will talk to you again next time. I just realized that my, that my camera was off the whole time. <laughs> that was a choice. <laughs> Sorry, no, it wasn't. <laughs>